I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to a special episode on a Thursday, April 16th. Um, we have with us Mike with Jetro Tax and Associates. He was previously on with us with episode 22, talking about getting ready for tax day, getting organized, and a lot of tools to get in place. Well, some things have changed since then, uh, although still apply, but uh, tax day looks a little different for us this time around. Uh, we're all busy trying to figure out financial programs for us here in the United States and how they do or do not apply. And so Mike has graciously uh, come on to help tease some of that apart and offer some clarifying information in this uh, really confusing time. So Mike, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, Colin, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I I think the first big question out there is, what programs are available and, and who do they or who should apply for each of them? Yeah, this is this is definitely a crazy time. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff coming out right now, and uh, there's been releases of information and then changes to that information. So um, I'll just kind of preface this that this is the information and how we understand you know what's available out there as we know it today. Uh, but know that some of this can change, and it's kind of a very fluid information. So um, some of this can change, but I just wanted to give kind of that preface. But really, when we're looking at a business owner and some of the two main programs that we're focusing on are going to be talking about today, programs that the government has made available during this kind of rough time for business owners of, of all sorts. And the two different loans that, that, they, that they brought out were the EIDL, which is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, and then the PPP, which is the Paycheck Protection Program. And when we look at both of those loans, they both have some pluses and minuses, and they're, and they're a little bit different. Um, so what I first want to talk about is the EIDL loan, and that's, again, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. And this loan basically operates very similar to your traditional loan. Um, so it's just a, a loan with a pretty good interest rate. It's at 3.75%. Um, and it doesn't have to be paid up to, you know, the the payment date of the loan when it's actually matures can be pretty far out there. Uh, so this one operates very similar to a traditional loan with one caveat. The, the government's offering an advance, which is being considered as a grant on this loan. So basically, you apply for this loan, and you have the potential to get a grant. And that grant amount is up to $10,000. Um, when this originally came out, Everyone was told that they would get a $10,000 grant, again, a grant that does not have to be repaid. But since then, some information has changed. And that number has ranged from $1,000 per employee um, up to $10,000 for that grant. Uh, But either way, there is a grant piece to this. And that grant's available whether you get accepted or denied for the loan. It doesn't matter. That grant is still available. And the idea behind it is that they're going to send you an advance get some quick cash into your business bank account. And again, that amount doesn't have to be repaid. Any additional loan over and above that advance that gets made, that would just run as a traditional loan has to be repaid back. But that initial grant would not have to be. And again, that's up to $10,000. So that's the EIDL loan. This is a loan that you apply for directly with the SBA. So you don't go to a bank for this. You You apply for it directly on the SBA website. Um, and you can apply for the advance. So there's 
the loan application on the actual website actually has changed quite frequently over the past month. Um, and so it used to be a pretty long application that took maybe an hour or two to fill out, ask for a ton of information. Then they took that down and they went to a paper version, which was basically the same thing. But now you were submitting paper documents. It wasn't an online application. And I think because that application just kept crashing. And then they later made another change to make it very easy. So now the process is about 10 to 15 minutes. It's just asking for some basic information about the business, about the owners, um, a little bit of revenue information. And then at the end, there'll be a box that says, check this box to uh, be considered for the advance, the advance payment, which is that grant that doesn't have to be repaid. And so you enter that, you check that box, enter your banking information, and you submit the application. Now, my guess is that down the road, they might ask for more information depending on what kind of loan amount is needed. But for some people that just want the advance, just want that grant piece that doesn't have to be repaid, they made this process pretty easy where you can at least get your information in the door pretty quickly. So that's the EIDL again, runs like a traditional loan, but there is an advance piece. That advance piece is a grant that does not have to be repaid and it's up to $10,000. Does that make sense on kind of that EIDL part? It does. And so basically, as you mentioned, of that $10,000 that everybody had in their mind was, this goes above and beyond that if you need it to, but that grant only goes up to that amount. Exactly. Yep. So there could be a potential loan, and I don't know what they're using to determine what that loan amount is. But let's say you get a $10,000 advance, and then they offer you a loan of $40,000. So basically, that $10,000 advance would not have to be repaid, but any loan amount over and above that amount would be on the typical terms that they have, which are are pretty generous. And so it's a good way to get cash infusion, but then they have that kind of uh, cherry on top, which is that grant piece. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. That, that I know that one was particularly confusing. Yeah. And so that's one program. The second program that they introduced, and this one is a little bit more attractive depending on how your business is set up. And so this one's called the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program. And this one is pretty unique because it has the ability to be 100% forgiven. And there's two ways that this one applies for. It's very payroll related. So if you have employees or you're an S corporation and you're running payroll to yourself, you would calculate how much loan you get using the PPP based on two and a half times your average monthly payroll. So let's say that you're an S corporation, you're the only employee, and your monthly payroll is $10,000. You would be able to apply for a PPP loan of $25,000. $25,000, which is two and a half times your average monthly payroll. And now the biggest kicker in this one is that if you use those funds to pay for payroll, so you use it on payroll or rent or utilities or interest on a mortgage, interest on debt, that, that amount can be forgiven. And that forgiven period starts when you get your funding, the date you get your funding, and then for the next eight weeks. So let's say you get your funding on May 1st, you have eight weeks to spend those funds on the allowed items that I mentioned, kind of payroll, interest payments, uh, rent, utilities. You spend it on those amounts for your business, and it has the potential to be 100% forgiven. Hmm. So this one is really attractive um, because you have that big forgivable piece. Now, for some people, they might not be on payroll. They might not be an S-corp. They might not have any employees. 
And so this, this program is also available for sole proprietors, independent contractors, and freelancers. It just has a little bit of a twist. Instead of being based on payroll, it's based on net earnings from self-employment. So let's say that you um, had income in your business of uh, $100,000, how you would calculate that, that's the profit of your business with no employees. You would take that 100, divide it by 12, and then multiply by two and a half to get your average monthly income from the business for, um, you know, to get that PPP amount. So the two loans options are the EIDL and the PPP. The EIDL has that grant piece, and this is the good part of it that doesn't have to be repaid, up to $10,000. We're saying could be anywhere from $1,000 to $10,000. And then the PPP has the opportunity to be 100% forgiven, but this one is more centered around payroll, and the maximum amount is two and a half times your payroll or two and a half times your net earnings from self-employment. So if somebody if somebody were um, a business owner, but they didn't take a salary, could they apply for the PPP loan? Yep. So if you're a business owner with no payroll, then it's based on your net earnings from self-employment. And so this would be someone that has a Schedule C or maybe a partnership. If you're running as an S corporation, you're likely going to have payroll or you should be running payroll to yourself. So this wouldn't apply to you. But yeah, exactly. For those with no employees that just run a kind of a freelancer, a sole proprietor, an independent contractor, they would use, they can apply for the PPP. And the loan amount of that PPP would be based on net earnings from self employment. And again, it's two and a half times your average monthly net earnings from self employment. And you determine that number by just taking a full year's worth divided by 12. That's going to be your average monthly um, from that self employment. It's um, April 16th right now. Is it too late to be applying for either of these? No, it's definitely not too late. Um, now, the EIDL loan, there should be funds available for that one. That one, again, is the one that you can apply for directly on the SBA website. Um, and so you can go ahead and apply for the EIDL one. That's the one with the grant. Now, the PPP loan is kind of, uh, there's a certain amount of funds allocated towards it. And they're saying that once those funds are gone, they're gone. Um, from as of right now, there's still plenty of funds to be given out. There's still plenty of information funds to be given. So you can still apply for that one. This one's a little different though. You don't apply directly with the SBA, you apply with a bank. And so what we're recommending is to first check your local bank and see if they're participating in this PPP program. If it's a small local bank, there's likely a good chance that you can get in there, get this application submitted pretty quickly. If it's a big local bank or a big bank like a Chase or a Wells Fargo, we're finding that the applications are a little bit delayed because of the volume that they're receiving in. So I'm always recommending to clients, first check with your bank, see what they're, see if they're working with this program and if you can apply for it. And if they're not, or they're backed up or whatever that might be, then there's plenty of other websites out there. Um, there's plenty of companies where you can apply for the PPP loan. Um, so that, that would be something that you apply directly with the bank. Both of these loans are still available. Both of these loans you can apply for. Um, there's been talks in Congress about putting more money towards the PPP. So they initially put out a certain dollar amount that once it's gone, it's gone. They've started to realize that that's going to get hit. That, that amount's going to get hit. And so they're working right now. Nothing's been passed officially, but they are working on bringing more funds to that program 
to, to ease um, the availability to business owners. So yeah, definitely not too late for either of them. However, I would say is act as quickly as possible because um, they could be eventually too late. Now, the PPP loan actually ends on June 30th. So if you don't have an application in by June 30th, you won't you know, be available for those funds. But what they're saying is they don't expect the funds to be available that late. So even though it, it goes that long, technically, they recommend um, applying as soon as possible. So somebody hasn't applied, what kind of information and documentation should they start getting together before they go on and either through the SBA website for the EIDL or to the bank for the PPP? Yeah, so for the EIDL, it's going to be pretty basic information, at least to begin with. Um, So it's going to be just information like your business name, business EIN. Um, It's going to ask for your gross uh, receipts. So what's your revenue been for the past 12 months? And it's also going to ask you for your cost of goods sold. Um, So if you had any product that you sold related to that revenue, it's going to ask for those numbers. Those are really the only two numbers on the EIDL side that that you need initially to apply for it. So again, revenue and cost of goods sold numbers for the last 12 months. Um, And then just basic information about yourself, um, your business bank account information, and um, business EIN address, things like that. The PPP is going to be a little bit more complex. And because these are directly with the bank, most banks are requesting different information. So what I'll give you is kind of a general idea of what most banks are requesting. There might be more, there might be less, depending on which actual bank that you go with. Uh, But for the PPP, the big items are payroll reports. So because it's based on payroll, they're going to want payroll for the past 12 months. Now, the period you use for that can be January of, you know, all of 2019. So January through December of 2019. Or you can use a period of April 1st through March 31st of April 1st of 2019 through March 31st of 2020. Basically, what we're saying is run both scenarios, find the one that gives you the biggest benefit. So the banks are going to want payroll reports that have a detailed listing of you know, gross earnings and then any kind of taxes that were taken out if there was retirement or anything like that. They're going to want that information. And they're also going to want your payroll tax forms that you submit to the IRS. And so this is going to be Form 941, Form 940, um, Form W-2s. Um, so they're going to ask for all that information. And then they're likely going to ask for your uh, 2019 tax return for the business. Now, if you are um, someone with no employees, but you're still applying for the PPP loan, um, the, this, this actually opened up on Friday the 10th. So for independent contractors that don't have employees, they're just applying for it based on their own business income. This didn't actually open up till last Friday. And these items, uh, they're going to ask for um, the profit from your business. So where your profit is of, of your business was for the prior year. And they're likely going to ask for some tax returns because it's not based on payroll for this side. Um, they're not going to need any kind of payroll forms or anything like that. A little more straightforward with there, but you still have to have your documents all together and, and be ready with that kind of information. Yeah, exactly. And the bank's going to let you know exactly what they need. Um, okay. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking um, that's going to be your 2019 tax return is probably going to be the best data that you can give them. If you don't have your 2019 return done, they might ask for just financials, so a profit and loss and maybe a balance sheet, or they may go off a 2018. I'm not sure exactly on that. That's probably going to be up to your bank, Uh, but I would recommend just getting the 2019 return done because that's for sure going to be the item um, that they're going to base it off of um, 
but they may have options if that's not done. If somebody did apply, how long are you seeing processing to take uh, before the money hits their uh, people's accounts? That's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, for the EIDL loan, they initially said that that advance was going to hit in three days. Um, unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. And I think that the reason is, is that the, the quick application you submit online is not the full application. And so once you submit that, you'll get contacted to either provide more information or they'll give you, you know, the amount that you're offered as the grant piece. And then it'll be three days after that. So um, there's really no clue when those are going to start to hit. Now we have had some clients where they have hit. We've had some clients that applied over a week and a half ago that still haven't gotten funds. So um, it's kind of hit or miss on that. On the PPP loan, this is supposed to be a quick application, something where they can get quick funds out to you. So the, the idea behind the PPP loan is to move quick. Now, the problem is, is that the applications are so backed up at the banks that they're not getting through the applications. However, with that being said, once your application is approved, it's normally hitting within two to three business days after that. So wow. it's the part of getting your application approved, and then you're going to get funds quickly. But it might take a little bit for that application to get approved just because of the volume that these banks are working with. Hmm. So once somebody gets the money, what are their obligations as far as tracking and documentation as for those expenses, uh, especially if they're with the PPP and balancing between that uh, grant versus loan for the payroll? Yeah, for the I'll start with the EIDL one just because that one's a little bit more simpler. Um, sure. Basically, the EIDL funds can be used for just regular operating expenses. So you can use it on payroll, you can use it on rent, you can use it on interest if you have any debt. Um, just normal operating expenses for your business. The PPP gets a little bit more complex. Uh, so PPP you can use for payroll, um, payments on interest or, or on a mortgage or other debt that you might have. And you can use those funds for rent and utilities. So payroll, interest, rent, and utilities. Now, the forgiveness piece of that, remember the PPP has the ability to be 100% forgiven. And for forgiveness, you have to spend at least 75% of the funds on payroll. The rest mm -hmm. can be used for mortgage, uh, mortgage interest, uh, interest on debt, rent and utilities, et cetera. And it's important to know that that period, again, starts eight weeks after you get your funding. So once you get your funding hits on a Monday, you have eight weeks to spend that money on 75% on payroll and the rest on um, interest or rent or utilities, and then it will be forgiven. So the PPP is a little bit more strict as far as what the funds can be used for and how quickly you have to use them. Uh, and that's you know also why it's based on two and a half times the amount of payroll is because they expect you to use the majority of that on payroll. And that's really the purpose of the PPP. It's to keep mm. people working, keep people getting paid. Even if they might not be working, they're encouraging you with this program to continue paying your employees because the downside of it is, is if you're continuing to pay them, and they don't have to fund it through unemployment. And so that's really the idea of the PPP is to keep people working. And so it's heavily payroll related. Now, I know we're still trying to figure all of these kind of things out, but keeping an eye towards next year, how are these kind of programs going to impact our taxes come tax time next year? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when we're looking at the EIDL grant, there hasn't been much clarification on whether this is going to be taxable or not. So that up to $10,000, 
there hasn't been much clarification on whether you're going to get taxed on that. Now, my guess is that you will not be taxed on it. And the reason that I say that is because when we look at the PPP and the forgivable amount, that the clarification has come out will not be taxed. So it's not taxable income to you. So let's say you get a PPP loan for $40,000. You spend it on payroll, all that 40 within eight weeks, it gets forgiven. You will pay no taxes on that forgivable amount. And so that's why we feel that they're going to treat the EIDL grant the same way, but the clarification has not come out on that yet. Either way, I'm telling clients, it's money that's, that's available to you that you wouldn't have either way. So even if they tax the EIDL, you're still getting funds that you wouldn't have had anyways, and the funds right. you get can help cover your taxes. But again, I'm not expecting them to be taxable, the EIDL side, and for sure the PPP side is not taxable. Okay. Okay, that's good. I that's that I know some people are already trying to think of next year right now and so yeah. Um, that's but I'm sure more guidance may come out as far as concrete answers to those in the future. Yeah, well, and, and that's important too that when you're getting this type of funds, you want to know do I need to put some money away for taxes uh, because I'm getting this free money or money that I wasn't expecting to have and the government's giving it to me and so you would assume that there's some kind of tax piece to it, but it's good to know ahead of time whether you need to put money away or not put money away. Um, luckily, the EIDL grant is only up to $10,000. So even if they do tax it, it's not going to be a too big of a tax. The PPP would be different. Um, you know, PPP loans could be fairly large. And if that was going to be taxed, that would be a big, um, something that you would definitely want to know ahead of time, which luckily they gave, they gave that clarification that it's not taxable on the PPP side. I had somebody submit a listener question. What's the employee retention tax credit and when or is it better op- a better option than the PPP? Yeah, so the employee retention credit is, is really based on businesses that have been forced to close, um, but you're still keeping your employees on board. And so yeah. this is where it gets really complicated because you cannot combine the ERTC, which is the employee retention tax credit, with the PPP. And so this is a calculation that you definitely want to do. You want to look at, okay, what does the ERTC credit give you versus what the PPP benefits can give you? And we're finding for most of our clients, the PPP is going to be the better route. And again, this is for businesses with employees. So those of you that have no employees, you don't even have to worry about the ERTC item. That's going to be kind of a mute cause. Um, But if you have employees, the ERTC, TC is going to be something you want to look into. We have a calculator out um, and we can put it on our website. They can look at, Uh, but basically you want to see, it's going to really depend on how long you're out of business. So how long Mm -hmm. are your doors closed where you cannot operate your business? And that's going to determine which one is going to give you a better benefit. So Mm -hmm. again, we're finding, we're doing the calculation with most of our clients. We're finding that the PPP is going to be the better bet for most of them. But that's also kind of in the unknown of, we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know how long businesses are going to be shut down. So depending on how long businesses are shut down, that will change and and, and factor how beneficial the ERTC will be to you. Well, with all all this going on, uh, it may have been lost on some people that a uh, tax day has moved. Uh, so w- when is the new tax day? <laughs> yeah, the, the and I appreciate them doing that for accountants based on pushing all these other um, government options out there and then uh, <laughs> right around tax time. So it was it was nice, a nice move by them. But the new tax day is July 15th um, and it's an auto extension. So it's automatically extended to that date. You do not have to file anything. 
Um, and this is for 2019 tax return taxes, as well as your 2020 quarter one and quarter two estimated taxes. So that new date is July 15th. Now keep in mind that if you don't have anything, everything ready at that point, you can still extend to the normal extension date, just like you would on April if you weren't ready, which would be October 15th. If you want to do that, you have to be sure to file an extension by that July 15th. So basically, think of it this way. You're moving the April 15th deadline to July 15th. Nothing has to be done on your end. If you're not ready by July 15th, you would file an extension just like you normally would on April 15th except it's now going to October 15th. An extension that I'm sure all, that all of us do appreciate, but I, I know you, you uh, are appreciating so much more given everything going on. Yeah, and, and they just did last week, they, they announced the moving of the Q2 estimated tax payments to also be that July 15th date. Um, they moved the Q1, which makes sense because those normally would be due on April 15th. They moved those to July 15th. But then you got kind of in a weird situation. The Q2 estimated taxes are normally due on June 15th. And so you almost had a situation where Q2 was due before Q1. And so they finally oh. made a clarification last week that both Q1 and Q2 estimated tax payments for 2020 have been pushed to July 15th. Right now, uh, I'm curious if you have any recommendations for businesses or independent contractors thinking about um, tax moves or ways of thinking about finances right now uh, moving forward that could be saving them money or um, staying more organized moving forward? Yeah. I mean, right now there's a lot of uncertainty out there. Again, we don't know exactly how long this is going to be last. We don't know how long we're going to be shut down for. Um, So we're encouraging clients to just do some planning. Think about the good, the bad, the ugly. So the good, let's say this thing's over in three weeks, everything's opening back up. Business is going back to somewhat usual. That's a good plan. So do planning on what would happen, how you have to adjust in your business, if that happens, then look at the bad. Let's assume this goes on for two months. How are you going to need to adjust? What needs to be done on your end to survive to the end of those two months? And then let's look at the ugly, three to four months. And so I'm telling clients, do this type of planning, even if it's on the back of a napkin. Have an idea so that when you hit these certain benchmarks, you know what you need to do in your business. And so this is going to be a tough time for all businesses. And it's really saying, how can we fight this storm? Because we know this will end, this will pass, and we'll get, we'll get through it. But it's how long can we survive to fight this storm? And so that's where doing these planning and what moves you need to make at certain thresholds will really help you when you get to that point and be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And we're also saying, like, look at expense cutting. So go down your income statement, bring up your income statement, and see what items you can either cut or downgrade. So let's say you have a subscription, a software subscription. Can you maybe go down a package? So instead of having the premium, can you go down to the standard? Um, If there's items you can cut for now, cut them and then bring them back on when business operations open up. So we're saying go down your income statement, line item by line item, and look at the items that might be available to help cut during this time. Because the big concern is cash flow. Right now, you want to hold on to as much cash as possible because that's going to help you fight through the storm. That's going to help you get you through the storm. If you're putting money in various expenses or software programs that you might not be using now or not using as much as you used to, those are items and cash that's outgoing that you're not going to get back. And so we're ta- telling clients with the expense cutting, the planning, slow down your cash outflow. 
So if there's any bills or rent payments that you can negotiate for a short period of time, do that. See if you can, can uh, you know, do uh, interest only if you have debt or see if you can skip a month of rent or whatever it might be. Try those options to see what, what, what's available to you. And if, if you try and they say no, try again in a couple of days. A lot of these people that you're working with are going through very similar struggles as you are. So it's going to be tough for them to push that back. But at the same time, they might have more cash flow. They might be in a better position where they know that they just need to get through the storm and their clients, you guys just need to get through the storm. So once you're through the storm, you'll be able to catch up and be back on your feet and back to normal. And so they might be willing to give you some grace there. Um, and so again, this is just a time where you want to try to preserve as much cash as possible. So do that expense cutting, see what you can, see where items you can cut or downgrade as well as slow down any cash outflow. So if you have funds that are going out, see if there's ways that you can slow them down, um, push them back a month or two so that you can just weather the storm, get through the storm. Because again, we know that this will pass. There is an end point. This is not a forever type situation. So there is an end point. We just need to do whatever we can to fight through it and get to the end. And I know there are a, a million different uh, situations that everybody is in. And so if somebody has a question about their particular scenario and situation, how can they reach out to you and, and uh, ask some questions? Yeah, they can, they can reach out to us right on our website. It's uh, JetroTax, J-E-T-R-O, tax.com. We actually have a little banner up top that has uh, COVID-19 resources. So you can go ahead and click that if you want some of the information that we talked about today as well as a link on how to apply for the EIDL, um, as well as information on the PPP program. So you can find us on our website, or you can also check out our small business tax savings podcast. We're sharing information as much as possible, as quickly as we can, as up to date as possible on a weekly basis. So we're also sharing information there as well. Wonderful. And I encourage everybody listening, if you have any sort of question or clarification that you'd like, reach out uh, to Mike at Jetro. They're um, a great resource during this time. And Mike, thank you for coming on. Uh, and we wish you guys all the best in this, uh, in this storm. Okay, that sounds great. Thanks for having me, Colin. And uh, hopefully we'll connect soon once all this is passed. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, I'm sure there'll be more questions that come up. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll definitely be, be in touch. Sounds good. We absolutely plan on doing a follow-up interview with Mike once a lot of this dust settles coming up. So please keep your questions coming in and reach out to him directly if you have any particular questions that you need answered right now. Tomorrow, we have Jennifer Flett and Henry Leckie from Hoopla Adventures, international travelers and house sitters, as they talk about how the COVID pandemic has affected their travels and what they've done in response. <laughs> 